Yesterday, I'm honored to be joined by the one and only legendary Philadelphia sports radio personality, Howard Eskin. Howard, what's going on? Just another day in paradise, John. You know, I've never had a bad day in my life, so I've had bad moments. I've been tested, but it's another great day. Definitely. Every, every day alive is a great day. Definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, welcome to the NBA panel. It's an honor to speak with you. Um, your career, one of, one of a kind, man. Right? You've been doing this for a long time. Your longevity is proof of your hard work. Tell us about this ride you had so far. Well, um, I always wanted to be a sportscaster, uh, but I did everything else at the beginning of my career. I was a disc jockey. I was spinning, for those people that may remember back then, 45s for disc jockeys. Okay. Uh, they were records. Uh, it's, it's all tape. It's all digital now. You don't even need tapes. Right. Uh, but so I did that. Was a disc jockey. Uh, met a lot of music people uh, with that. Uh, was an engineer. Uh, what they called an engineer, spinning records for other people, production. Right. But then I seven years after I started in the business, uh, I started doing sports, and one thing led to another, and then I just, you know, I guess, I guess. You know, just working hard and trying to push and finding the next job and just moving myself up the ladder got me. I never expected, you know, I guess I never thought about talk radio. Right. I never thought about TV at the beginning because talk radio in sports was not that prevalent uh, right. when I was doing it. But it, it's all worked out and for whatever reason. I just just did what I did and just kind of moved my way up the ladder and lucky enough to have uh, a long career, which uh, happy is not over yet. Right. Uh, and I think I'll be able to determine that when it's going to be over. So it's just, uh, it's all good. I can't complain. And I can't say that I would have done anything differently. Yeah, you've done a great job so far. Definitely. Um, talk about your experience at Sports Radio 94, WIP, and Fox 29. You do some great um, Eagles covers. Well, the thing is, uh, back in, uh, I did talk radio, believe it or not, 1979 at an FM station. It was 96.5. Uh, the call letters were WWDB. They probably exist somewhere in the country now, but not here in right. Philadelphia. Okay. And I was doing it there. I started there in 79 after being a sports reporter at 1210 Radio in the Philadelphia area. And, uh, and that led to the talk show. And that became very successful. Right. And with that, a Channel 3 in Philadelphia called me up and asked me if I'd do television. I was outspoken. I broke stories. I did different things. And at first, I turned them down. Right. And then a friend of mine uh, who was, uh, passed away was legendary in Philadelphia in television, uh, Jim O'Brien, who worked at Channel 6. And he was a disc jockey at a station I worked for back in the day. And he pushed me into taking the job, which I never worked TV in my life. So in 82, right. uh, they asked me. I went for an audition, which was horrible. Uh, and they still wanted to hire me. And uh, that led to the TV. So at that, that point, I started doing TV and radio. Right. And uh, moved on. And then I was the first anchor that Channel 29 hired in 1986 when they started at 10 o'clock news. Right. And then... I went back and did sports talk full-time when the general manager of WIP asked me if I would do 
talk radio for them. They were a uh, music news kind of station, WIP, back in 86. And he had the vision of uh, making that, his name was Mike Craven, uh, the vision of making it an all-sports station. He said, I want to start if you'll do a talk show in the afternoon because at Channel 29, I only did a 10 o'clock news. Okay. So I said, yeah, why not? So I did the first sports talk show on WIP, which at that time was 610 WIP. Right. And then when they switched over to FM in 2011, uh, after 25 years, I decided I wanted to try to do some other things. Right. And But I did the first sports talk show on my last day in afternoon drive on WIP. I did the first sports talk show on FM, which was 94.1. And... Uh, you know, and they wanted to keep me around, and I just, you know, I got to do, I want to try to do some different things, maybe national talk shows, and and they said, no, we want to try to do things with you, so I stayed around just doing different, uh, uh, different time periods, different segments, right. and then the Eagles sideline reporting uh, became a part of uh, my job responsibility, so I just... So yeah, so I you know I, I look back and I take pride in the fact that I did the sport the first sports talk show on WIP AM at six ten, and right. the first sports talk show on WIP FM on ninety four point one. Right. So it'll always be part of my history and uh, and have continued to do things for WIP in uh, many different ways. And then Channel twenty nine uh, when they came along in eighty six, I worked there full time. For five years, then I left, and they wanted me to come back. And okay. sports is just not the same on TV, so I didn't want to work at full time anymore. So I just do different things for uh, now. Uh, what is Fox Twenty Nine? Right. <laughs> Phenomenal job. You're a, yeah. perfect exa- you're, you're a perfect example of what Messi will find you. Your hard work has paid off, definitely. Hard work. There's nothing that replaces hard work. Let me tell you something, John. There's nothing that replaces hard work. Responsibility, hard work will move you forward in this world because yes. there's not enough people that yes. work hard and have responsibility. That's what it comes down to. Definitely, definitely. Um, you moved up the ladder by being yourself and just using your own personality to win over your fans. Um, tell us about the importance or the listeners' importance of being yourself and not forcing anything. Because you're a perfect example of it. Well... Uh, you know, the, the term which is used quite often of keeping it real. Yeah. So I keep it real. And, and I just, I learned early in my talk radio days at the first sports talk station back in 79. Uh, right. After a few months, I just learned, I got to be honest with people. Even if it may offend them, right. there's nothing wrong with honesty. Now, people can love me. They can hate me, but I don't think they really hate me. They just dislike a lot of the things I say because they don't agree with them. Right. But the fact is they listen, and they've listened for years. Uh, they can say what they want, uh, but I do a lot of uh, – I talk to a lot of people, so I, I get background on a lot of people. The most recent would be uh, Ben Simmons. Three, right. uh, three years ago, three years before they got rid of him, you know, I learned from people within the organization, he wouldn't work hard, he was right. dismissive of coaching, he was really all about his money, and he was so overrated, and people killed me, killed me for that, right. and now they realize, they realize I was right. And there's many situations like that. I'm not afraid to go out on a limb 
right. you know, when these people were calling him, oh, he's a generational player, he's a possible Hall of Famer. He's right. not generational. He's not a possible Hall of Famer. He's one of the more overrated players in the NBA. And they talk about, well, he's a three-time All-Star. He only was a three-time All-Star because LeBron James has ownership in the company that represents him, and they started choosing up sides on All-Star games, and LeBron James made sure he got on the All-Star game. It was a total bunch of nonsense. But the thing is, people didn't want to hear that. And I don't want to dwell on Ben Simmons. He's gone. Uh, But people didn't want to hear that. But I can't. I can't change what I've uh, the information that I've gotten from people, and certainly my opinion. And I think I can judge whether their player is good enough, not good enough. And there's other players uh, that come to mind, but that's probably the most visible one uh, of players. I, I just I took a lot of heat, but you can't worry about the heat. You got to be you got to be honest with yourself. Yeah. And thus, that's being honest with people too. Definitely. Um, what's your opinion on the Sixers season? And Doc, Doc Rivers obviously did a great job. He was he dealt he dealt the handle that was handed to him, but he didn't he didn't ask for the Ben Simmons situation. Then he got Harden and Harden showed up part time after the playoffs when he needed him. And MB just MB wants MB wants to win. It's obvious. What do you think they need to do? What's your thoughts on the season, John? I don't agree with a few of the things you've just said. Okay. Uh, number one, I don't think Glenn Rivers. Uh, is Doc Rivers. More, well, I call him Glenn because there's only one one doc in Philadelphia. Dr. J. Gotcha. Yeah, and Julius Irving is the only – that's the only guy in Philadelphia that deserves the name of doc. You know how Rivers got his name. He wore, he wore a Julius Irving uh, jersey to practice one day, and they started calling him doc. Where <laughs> – what reference point was there to that? But, uh, you know, Glenn Rivers is a good guy, nice right. guy. He's right. a – He's a decent coach. He won a cha- they call him a championship coach. He won with four Hall of Famers back two decades ago with the Boston Celtics. It was it 2008? Yeah. So, uh, you know, he was dealt to hand, but they were, as we know now, because of the previous year in the playoffs, they were actually better off without Ben Simmons because all there would have been is this, well, he won't shoot. He doesn't want to go to the foul line. So right. he doesn't want to get fouled. So you have all these things. They were actually better off without Ben Simmons. And the problem there is that Daryl Morey, who I think is uh, one of the more overrated executives in the NBA in the last 10 to 15 years, he's made two major trades in his career, James Harden and James Harden. Neither one of them. <laughs> all right. So, so you've got to look at it that way. But right. he wanted to wait all year because – he he wanted James Harden and nobody else. You're right. And the Nets and the Nets right. wanted to wait. So You're right. he had better offers. I mean, Sacramento, Halliburton, I think is going to be a nice young player. Right. Uh, could have given them some things that they needed. Uh, Buddy Heald would be a nice player to come off the bench. So they missed bench help. Uh, they missed a, a guy like Halliburton uh, that was a better shooter, I think, and a better all-around player than a lot of the guys they have on the team. Right. And then you wouldn't have had to give up two first-round draft picks, and you gave up your bench in Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, which they needed both of them. Yeah, they missed uh, Seth. They definitely yeah, missed Seth. Yeah, and Drummond could have, could have spelled, MB can't play 38 to 40 minutes. He's just, his body just can't take that. Right. So with that being the case, uh, what, did, what did Rivers do? What did he do 
to make them a better team. They still, it's a results-based business, and they are still in the same position they were for the last few years, never getting past the second round. So with that said, if you're going to give the coach credit, you've got to give the coach uh, some of the blame. And Joel Embiid is a terrific basketball player, but it's not a game of setters anymore. It's wing players. It's, it's guys on the wings. The center kind of slows down a team now because all the centers in the league are smaller, more athletic in terms of speed up and down the court. I mean, Embiid can shoot. That's great. But he should play in the low post, which he doesn't want to do because he doesn't want to do enough of because he, it, it tires him out. It's a physical game down there, and it tires him out. Right. Embiid is a really good player, and I, I don't want to ever have people misconstrue what I say. It's another thing I've taken heat for, but I don't think he's the MVP. Uh, and, and, and the fact that he promoted himself to be the MVP wasn't – it's not a good look. Really, if you really want to break it down, Giannis was the MVP. I mean, the guy can do everything. And he carried that team without their second-best player in yeah, middle for the last yeah. you know, month of the season. Right. So he's really the MVP. But Jokic is such a really good all-around player. He's fundamentally sound. Yeah. He's the best passing center in the last 15 to 20 years. Elijah Wan might have been the last one if people ever remembered Akeem Olajuwon. And then yeah. uh, he's a good shooter. Uh, he rebounds. He just plays the game uh, well in every facet. They were missing their second and third best players pretty much all season, and they were still 14 games over 500 in the West. So right. when you really want to break it down, is Embiid the MVP? He's probably no better than third. And Seth Curry was hurt, so he didn't get it. Drummond was hurt, or, or Drummond uh, Durant was hurt, so he didn't get it. But nonetheless, right. he's a really good player. But he he can't carry a team, and he's not a leader. And uh, if people think Embiid's a leader, they're crazy. He's just not a leader. And then he makes the mistake after they lose in the playoffs after the last game. He wishes that Jimmy Butler was his teammate. You can't say that after you just lost to the, to the team with Jimmy Butler that, that beat you because right. of the guys in the locker room. They're fighting. You're going to war with all those people, and you say, well, I'd like to have Jimmy Butler on the team. Well, that's not right. right. I mean, that, that doesn't show that you're a leader. That's just, you know, that's kind of an excuse. So, um, be honest with you, I think the 76ers should look into the possibility, and if somebody will find out if they do it and they'll create a firestorm, Right. And what value does Embiid have for a trade? Because I don't think they can win with the team the way it's presently constructed. Perfect. Embiid has no more value than he has right now. And somebody might give you a lot for him. And right. you really got to move on because from every year beyond this, he's not going to have as much value because as a big guy, you know, eventually they start to break down. And that's just, you know, who right. he is as a player. You know, regardless of how he breaks down, there's always injuries. Uh, and I think it's terrible to say to start over again. I don't think you're starting over. You're just building around new young players, which uh, you might get there faster if you do it that way. But people people don't want to hear that. Oh, how can you talk about trading Embiid? Well, yeah. I would talk about it. I'm not saying unless it's the right deal, you don't do it. 
Right. Uh, but you've got to, if you're trying to make this team better, you've got to look at every possibility. Because they have, the only guy with any trade value on that team is, is, uh, is Maxi. He's the only guy with any trade value. And I don't think you want to trade him because he's a player that you hopefully can build around. Right. So you trade him and maybe get a first-round pick and get a player? No, I think you keep him. I mean, T. Steibel is nothing more than an average player. Oh, he plays great defense. Yeah, he's playing defense against backup players. Remember, when he's in the game, there's backups in the game for the other team, too. Can't score a – Ben Simmons could score more than him. Matisse Steibel can't score a little bit. He's such a liability when he's on the floor. So you're not going to get much for him. Uh, Danny Green won't probably play most of the year next year, and that was a mistake signing him. And James Harden, it's really – it's terrible. It's not terrible to say, but it's it's awful for Sixers fans. He's done. He's just a player. He's not – He's not the same player, and even Embiid said that, which he shouldn't have said. Yeah, he's not. If you expected James Harden of Houston, then that's not what you got. Well, that's what the people did expect, and that's what Daryl Morey expected. And he had a love affair with James Harden. And at worst, they're going to have him for one year at $47 million. I'm telling you, I think he promised him a multi-year contract. I don't know how they're going to do that. Uh, But I think he got to suck up to one year and just move on. Uh, but they have, they have challenges and they have issues, and they can't win with the core of players. They, when I say win, they can be a winning team, but they can't right. win it. We've seen the last – the four to six teams that were left, yes. they're all better than the Sixers. They're all better than the Sixers. So uh, it, it's just uh, – Milwaukee's still better. Miami's still better. And with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, who is a great coach, right. uh, and Eric Spolstra, they're going to be good again next year. So, yes. And then uh, Middleton will be back with Milwaukee next year, and they still have Giannis. Uh, and who knows, Atlanta kind of fell apart. But there's going to, And then Boston. Boston's still very, very good. So very where true. are they? Where are they in the grand scheme of things? That's why I think... I think you got to move forward, but you don't just give away your star player. But right. you try to put together and rebuild a team. But Daryl Morey knows he's not going to be here uh, with at M- at the end of Embiid's contract, and and uh, and Rivers is not going to be here at the end of that contract. They both know they'll be gone before uh, Embiid's contract is up. So they want to try to think they can win now and tell people, oh yeah, we're. He said at the end of the season, Maury said, we're close to winning a championship. Is he watching the same NBA that I'm watching? <laughs> and he's got flexibility. What flexibility do you have? Right. What, and then there's reporters who are talking about the Sixers trading uh, their pick in the first round in this draft. And I don't know when people will hear this. In this draft at 23, well, they can't. You're not allowed to trade. And it's been reported. People have reported, oh, yeah, they're looking to trade the pick. Well, they right. can't. They can't. You can't trade number one picks in consecutive years if they're your picks. And I checked it again and checked it again. Right. All the picks they have are all their picks and not a pick they acquired from somebody else. And they can't trade. Like, you can't trade this year's pick because you've traded next year's pick, and that's the Nets. 
then you can't trade 24 because you've traded 25 with Al Horford. Then you right. can't trade 26 because you traded 27 with Ben Simmons. So right. you can't trade first-round picks in consecutive years. So then you can't trade 28 because you've traded 27. Uh, and then so the first time they have a pick to trade is 2029. And you need a first-round pick to get rid of Tobias Harris. Danny Green, I don't know how anybody, you know, it was just, just a salary dump, but who's going to take Danny Green uh, yeah. for, you know, a, a, you know, a weak first-round pick? I, I, I don't know. It's just uh, they're, they're unfortunately in, uh, in no man's land. So uh, just kind of breaking down the Sixers that way. Yeah, they have a lot to work on, a lot. Yep. Yeah, we all, know, we all know the NBA, next year is not guaranteed. Like, life tomorrow is not promised. And yep. I promise to get back to the second round next year. We never no. know what's going to happen. No. That's another get, thing. That's you another take advantage thing. of everything. Every, every opportunity you get, you'll take advantage of it. Yeah, and, and you know Glenn Rivers is on a short leash. You know, I mean, they owe him $24 million, $8 million a year, which is he ought to be taken out in handcuffs for stealing money. Uh, but, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it, along with Daryl Morey, they both should be taken out in handcuffs. Daryl Morey's making $12 million a year. You, you're kidding me, aren't you? Uh, but... But we know that, that Rivers is on a short leash. So if they don't get off to a good start, and everybody knows, yeah, when's he going to go? When's he going to go? And that's not good hanging over your head. It doesn't matter to, to Rivers right. because he's still got $24 million coming over the next three years. So it doesn't matter to him. And I don't know what team is going to hire him because, you know, you see what's happened here. How could you sell Rivers – as a head coach of another team. Now, his agent threw out the Lakers thing. The Lakers was, was never, a, never real. He was right. never in consideration for the Lakers job, never. But, well, and again, he's a really good guy. He's a really nice guy, but he's just, he's a, maybe a little above average coach, in my opinion. Right. Um, you've covered Philly sports for a while. Uh, covered a lot of memorable moments. Um, who was one of your favorite um, athletes to cover over the years you've done it? And how was covering Allen Iverson when you interviewed him? Because he's one of the most, what's the word? I can't, what's the word I'm looking for? Iconic. He's just, he's, <laughs> yes, yes. he's iconic. He's, yes. uh, okay, so the favorite one had to be Charles Barkley. Okay. Charles Barkley, and, and we've become good friends, but that's after I ripped him. Uh, right. you know, <laughs> so, so, but he understood me, but he's right. the same way. So, right. uh, and he totally understood it. But he's honest with you. He'll say what he thinks, which is really not, anything like uh, the way these guys are today. They never tell you what they really think. Right. Uh, but he was fun. He was honest. Julius Irving was great. He was, oh. he, he was a politician the way he said things, but he was honest in what he said, and he was such a nice person. They had so many good guys, so many good guys. in oh. uh, that 83 championship team, and Barkley wasn't on it, and then Barkley came right after that. Right. Uh, yeah, he was in the draft after that. Uh, so uh, with all that said, there was a lot of good guys. I mean, um, it was great guys. There's guys on the Eagles now. I mean, Brandon Graham is a terrific guy. Uh, but the the Super Bowl team, they had a lot of good guys. You could go right down. Zach Ertz, Brent Selleck. You go right down the list of people. Nick Foles was a, uh, was a, a tremendous guy. Right. Uh, so they had a really a lot of really great guys that were fun to cover because they had fun. It wasn't all buttoned up and just say what 
you're told to say by your PR department. And then uh, the Phillies, uh, I'm friends with, after all these years with, with Mike Schmidt, he wasn't as as talkative and as personable, but he, I, you realize how good a player he was, and he was honest. I mean, right. but they had Larry Boa. They had Lenny Dykstra, who was nuts. They had Darren Dalton <laughs> for years. I mean, right. there were so many good guys, and they were so honest. If they didn't like what you said, they'd yell at you and scream at you and tell you, you know, and then 30 seconds later, we're laughing. Right. So it, it was uh, – there's more good players from years ago, and I know things change and they're never the same, right. uh, but it's not the same now. It's Players are too corporate. Uh, and then money has kind of changed everything. There's some good guys out there. Um, right. There's some really good people. But it, it's just not the same as far as fun and guys saying things that really, you know, get a little bit of a smile and it, it's right. really honest. And it's just they just say what they're supposed to say. But there's been a lot of really good people that I have been lucky enough right. to cover over the years. So and I just obviously named quite a few there. Definitely. And if I'm understanding, you're going to be inducted into the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame soon in November? Yep. Congratulations, my, congratulations on that. Yeah, well, thank you. And it's my sixth Hall of Fame, <laughs> which is – Wow. So, so I just uh, – which is nice. It just uh, – people recognize yeah. – um, they just recognize that you've done uh, some good things in, in your career. I mean, I'm, I think I have uh, – a sense of humor on the radio. I had a sense of humor on television. Right. Uh, I, I took uh, it was a it was an accomplishment for me to break a story, and I've broken a lot of big stories in this town. Right. So that was a tremendous sense of accomplishment. So all in all, there was a lot of good things uh, that I've done over my career, and uh, right. obviously, uh, I'm happy that. I'm continuing it as we speak, and it just do little different things. The sideline reporting is hard work. Right. Uh, I worked the last five games of the Super Bowl year with a broken leg. Just didn't tell anybody. Wow. Uh, so I didn't have a cast on there because I didn't need a cast with the bone. Uh, it was a non-weight-bearing bone. But I, right. it got broken on the sidelines, but I, I just didn't tell anybody. Just So they didn't have hesitation with having me on the sideline. Uh, right. But, you know, you do what you do, and you just – everything you do, you try to work and, and work hard and do to the best of your ability. So that's what I try to do. Definitely. You're going in with some great company. Um, i got to mention Phil Martelli. He's been on any panel a few times. Always a great conversation. I was able to cover his last year. I didn't know at the time at St. Joe's, which I would have known I would try to get there sooner. But he always a great interview. He, had a great, he did a great job there. Oh, you know better than me, I'm sure. Phil, is, I, still, I still talk to Phil uh, periodically. Phil is a is was a terrific coach yes he's a great great person uh i mean he's a tremendous person and he's got a great sense of humor and he's uh he's sharp i love phil uh phil is uh he's a really good guy and he's uh he did a terrific job at saint joe it's hard to get players at schools like saint joe and temple you know villanova obviously always gets the best recruits for whatever reason you know, right. I, and Jay Wright is a great coach, but yeah. uh, you know, it's it, I I uh, I think the world of Phil Martelli for sure. Definitely, definitely. Howard, thank you for your time. I definitely enjoyed this conversation. I wish we got in the future, trying to get you back on again. 
Thank yeah, you no so problem. Well. No problem. It's it's my pleasure, and it's uh, good luck to you. And uh, yeah, it's always uh, I'm working in my hometown, and that's uh, the best thing. You know, a lot of people work and develop a career in a town that they didn't have a history with. But right. I grew up in this town, so uh, I'm happy and and lucky. I always consider myself lucky uh, to have worked in the town that I grew up in. Definitely. Thank you for your time and for the rest of your day. All right, you too. Have a great day and a better day tomorrow. You too. Thank you so much. Yes, that was legendary Philadelphia sports radio personality, one only Howard Eskin. Thanks for joining me. Catch you next time.